overall, there's just a very heightened sense of, hey, we've got to do something to reduce our energy, our water impact, improve indoor air quality, and stop food waste, stop all kinds of waste to the landfill. And one of the big topics in the hotel industry in recent years is, is reducing plastic use. Welcome to the Construction Disruption Podcast, where we uncover the future of building and remodeling. I'm Todd Miller of Isaiah Industries, manufacturer of specialty metal roofing and other building materials. And today my co-host is Ryan Bell. How are you doing today, Ryan? Hey, Todd. I am doing great. I know you were at MetalCon last week. How, how was that? How'd everything go there? You know, it was a fun week. So MetalCon, of course, is sort of the um, major annual trade show for our industry where they talk about all things metal roof and wall panels and metal construction. And it was over in Indianapolis this year, which I believe was the first time it had ever been in Indianapolis. Very convenient for us because we got to drive there. So that was nice. But uh, it was a great show. It, it was well attended because of being in Indianapolis. Um, it was kind of cool. We had a lot of Amish folks attending the show. Uh, just because it was within easy distance for so many of them here in Ohio and Indiana and surrounding states. I was able to do a couple of presentations as part of their educational seminars. And uh, one of them I was pretty excited to do. Um, I put together a presentation called Taking Your Metal Roofing Contracting Business from Good to Great and basically outlined the things that over the years I've seen really sort of hallmark the most successful contractors in the metal roofing industry and had probably about 60 people for that seminar and uh awesome felt like it was well received yeah i went through a lot of good information and one of the things that i don't know i really intended to touch on this but i ended up talking a lot about how do you prepare your business for economic ups and downs and, you know, one of the things I think everyone always likes to say is, well, tough times never last, bad times never last. But <laughs> in reality, that's true. But good times never last either. And, and so a wise business person is going to be prepared for those cycles and those ups and downs. And so that was something I actually inadvertently ended up talking a lot about. And one of the major trade mags came and asked me if I'd be willing to write an article on how to prepare your business for economic downturns. Uh, so I'm going to be working on that now. But uh, yeah, it was a good show. I'm, I'm already looking forward to next year. Uh, next year is going to be out in Las Vegas for MetalCon. Awesome. As you know, Ryan, we had David McCreary in the booth. David is a uh, yeah Ohio-based magician, entertainer, inspirational speaker. And uh, we had him in our booth doing some card tricks, and that was pretty cool. At times, we had 30, probably upwards of 30, maybe even a few more people lined up in the booth watching him. So we had we had never packed him into the booth quite like that before. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he was a hit. He was. It was just, it was just goodwill. It was fun for everybody, I think. Yeah. So, well, on with the show. Today's guest here on Construction Disruption is Glenn Hasek. Um, located in Tampa, Florida, 
Glenn is the owner of Hassock Communications, as well as the publisher and editor of Green Lodging News. As I've watched Glenn over the years, I feel that he's almost single-handedly gotten the lodging industry to think more about the environmental impact of their businesses. Uh, Green Lodging News is the lodging industry's leading environmental news source. And as that industry, the whole lodging industry, becomes more developed in terms of their green efforts, I think that we're going to see their efforts copied and moved over to other types and uses of buildings as well. So, Glenn, thanks so much for joining us today. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Well, thank you for having me, Todd, and it's great to see you after so many years since we went to Bluffton College together. Well, you and I have known each other for a while, that's for sure. In fact, you were probably about the first person I met at college because you were my I guess we called him RA. Did that stand for resident advisor, I think? Exactly. Yeah. So you were kind of the one in charge of, I guess it was my floor. And then we had someone in charge of the whole dorm, didn't we? Yes. Well, anyway, that goes back a bit. And uh, yeah, good times, good times. Well, I remember you um, as a communications and religion major. Uh, what about the lodging industry later caught your interest and caused you to develop Green Lodging News and, and go where you've gone with your career? Well, by chance, I was living uh, close to a publishing company while I was living in Cleveland at the time. And the publishing company was called Advanced Star Communications. And they had an opening for an editor at a publication called Hotel and Motel Management. And I interviewed and they hired me as a freelancer at first, and I worked my way up to managing editor over the years, and that was around 1990 1990 to 1996, and it was around 1991 that I started a regular column in motel management called EcoViews, and I was probably the first journalist in the hotel industry to write about the environment on a consistent basis. And that came from my personal interest in the environment, you know, probably having to do with going to uh, Bluffton College, but also having to do with the way I was brought up. I grew up right next to uh, a Metro Parks in Cleveland and, you know, just had a great appreciation for uh, protecting Mother Nature and having the least impact on it. Very interesting. So you founded Green Lodging News back in 2006, and I think I learned about it shortly thereafter. I know you and I had had some connection, maybe through Facebook or LinkedIn or something. But back in the early days of Green Lodging News, uh, what were some of the most focused on products or areas of opportunity that some folks were pursuing to make lodging more environmentally friendly? Well, you had mentioned a, a trade show earlier, and I attended many trade shows back in the 1990s and early 2000s, and there really was little emphasis on the environment. And But what you did see frequently was folks selling guest room energy management systems, which include sensors that turn the heating and cooling down in the guest room when the guest leaves the room. So those 
types of systems. We're saving hoteliers, you know, up to 40 to 60% on their energy bills. And then you also saw a lot of attention on recycling and some attention on indoor air quality and also towel and linen reuse programs. I'm sure anyone of your listeners has stayed at a hotel that has encountered this where you've been asked to forego laundry to help the environment a little bit. But that was kind of a hot topic back then. But compared to today, there really wasn't much attention on the environment and hospitality. It was just kind of in its early years. And it, it kind of followed the rest of other industries as well. You know, that's interesting. And I, and I remember, I mean, back in those days, I was traveling a lot more on business than I uh, have to today, which is nice, but uh, nice that I don't have to travel as much. But yeah, you reminded me of some of those things back, you know, when they would suddenly have uh, lower flow shower heads and things to save uh, water plus the whole towel and linen uh, programs and things. You're right. Those seemed like low hanging fruit back during those days. But I think things have developed and gone a lot beyond that. Um, what are some of the new areas where you've started seeing strides being made uh, in this area? Well, if you look at a hotel, it's kind of like a, a large house, you know, well, well, what do you do in your house to save energy? Well, elevate that to a hotel that's open 24 hours a day and has, uh, you know, 100 to many thousand uh, guest rooms. And it, it's all about reducing energy, reducing water consumption, enhancing indoor air quality, and reducing waste. And on the energy side, maturing of the LED lighting industry uh, certainly had a huge impact on the hotel industry. And, and now studies have shown that more than 90% of hotels use LED lighting, which are dramatically different than the old incandescents or fluorescent bulbs that uh, we used to see. And also guest room energy management systems have become much more common low flow water fixtures, dual flush toilets. And then on the waste side, we're even seeing food waste uh, decomposition uh, machines where restaurateurs can throw their food waste into these machines that uh, turn the waste into a liquid that can then be released into the sewage system. And so it's almost a zero waste proposition. So there's just been overall a lot of emphasis reducing the hotel's entire environmental impact, but also making it a much safer and healthy and cleaner space for hotel guests and business travelers, especially. And in COVID, the pandemic had a, a big impact on what attention was paid to indoor air quality, as well as cleaning and maintaining the spaces in hotels. Boy, I'll have to second that. You know, I as I have started to travel a little bit more since COVID, everything is just spotless, it seems like, in most hotels compared to where it used to be. And uh, so that's kind of a, of a good feeling. 
you mentioned something that always confuses me, dual flush toilets. I can never figure out based upon the imagery on those, which one I'm supposed to flush. So I usually just flush them both. I just don't know what to do. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to have to get up to speed and figure that one out. One thing I, I do owe uh, Glenn and, and Ryan, owe you guys an apology. I, I did it once again and forgot to tell our audience about our challenge words. Um, so I'm going to throw that in now. So uh, for our listeners out there, just so you know, once again in this episode, we'll, we have challenge words. So we've given each a word, uh, each other a word to try to work into the conversation at some point. And you can be listening to see if you figure out what the challenge words are. And at the end, we will kind of divulge whether we were successful or not. And so we'll see. So my apologies for the lateness on that. Well, Glenn, back to our interview here. Any projections in your crystal ball? I mean, we talked a little bit about the strides that have been made. What projections do you have as far as what the future may bring? Well, certainly the hotel industry is evolving toward a net zero impact environment. Green building certifications such as LEED um, have pushed the industry toward that goal. And certainly other organizations as well have uh, led the push toward that. And it's driven significantly by government and by in industry leaders in, in other industries who have a, a good handle on you know, climate change and, and the impact that buildings have on climate change. And most hotel companies have set specific targets. For example, I, I was just preparing for an interview with a sustainability director at Marriott, and they have a list of 2025 goals that are very ambitious, where Marriott, the largest hotel company in the world, you know, is setting targets for like reductions in energy by 30%, reductions in food waste by 50%, uh, reductions in water similarly. And so this is very common throughout the industry. There's a sense of urgency among hotel companies, you know, about the state of the climate and the state of the world in general. You know, I just read that according to the World Wildlife Fund, we've lost 69% of species, animal species already. And that's just, to me, that's, that's alarming. And, you know, the hotel industry does have an impact on that because where they decide to build has an impact on the natural environment. And hotels, uh, through their foundations, can support causes that help to protect land where native species uh, still roam and, and grow. So overall, there's just a, a very heightened sense of, hey, we've got to do something to reduce our energy impact, our water impact, improve indoor air quality, and uh, stop food waste, stop all kinds of waste to the landfill. And one of the big topics in the hotel industry in recent years is, is reducing plastic use. And, you know, those little plastic amenity bottles you find in the guest room bathroom. 
hotels are transitioning to dispensers or, you know, one company approached me uh, recently and they have, it's like a little, holding a little bubble of shampoo and shampoo enclosed in a film where, you know, you go in the shower and water hits this film and dissolves the film. So then you've just got the shampoo remaining, like there's no waste involved at all. So there's just a lot of innovation taking place that, that's making it easier for hotels to reduce their impact. That's very cool. Almost sounds like a Tide Pod with shampoo. That's exactly what I was thinking, or dishwasher, <laughs> the things you put in your dishwasher, they yeah. have them for that too, yeah. Think about how many things actually could be dispensed that way and do away with, you know, packaging, at least packaging yeah. that has to be disposed well, of. Possibilities are endless. Maybe maybe they can put uh, Barbies, start putting Barbies or baby dolls. And I don't know, you've probably never opened one of those, Todd, but they make them a real pain to get out of the packaging. <laughs> <laughs> so so instead, it just kind of makes everything like it comes in a little egg or something. That's, yeah. that's kind of cool. So, so Glenn, you know, as I think about it, I mean, I figure that investors in the lodging industry probably take more of a financially focused look at their activities than even a typical homeowner would. Have you found that this movement toward green is something that the lodging industry is quickly and, and willingly and wants to embrace and pursue? Or has it been more like a kicking and screaming thing for some of them? I'm just curious. You know, it really uh, depends on the company. Companies like uh, Marriott, Hilton, IHG, Wyndham have been leading in this movement for years now and um, have really set the standard for other companies who are behind. And sure, if you talk to a hotelier, first thing that comes to their mind is, how much is this going to cost me? You know, what's the impact on the bottom line? But what I've discovered is that there are a lot of hotel developers and owners who see this as kind of a religion almost and paying additional for a solar installation, for example, it's not going to bother them because they're looking 10, 20 years down the road and it's going to improve the value of their um, hotel asset. And, you know, because at, at that point down the road, I mean, they're going to be paying almost nothing for electricity, you know, once the solar system is paid off. And, you know, it's also true for geothermal systems, wind technology. But for the most part, it's solar that you see in the, in the industry. But having said that, you're always going to get a group of hotel owners who are going to be less willing to invest in technologies and innovations that you know are going to help improve the environment and their bottom line. But it's interesting but that all the different things that I come across do result in greater profitability for a hotelier. So it, it's almost foolish to to not consider like LEDs or other technologies that I've talked about. Yeah, so it's a matter of, you know, similar to what we do in our home. Sometimes there's that initial upfront, but long-term, the ROI is there. I'm, you know, it's, it's interesting where you talk about hotels using utilizing solar, and I've certainly heard that a lot. 
just trying to think in my mind, if I've ever been in a hotel that seemed to have solar, is it usually on the roof probably? So maybe I don't even see it. It's interesting that seems to be less often on the roof and more so on other parts of the property. For example, on top of a carport, I've, I've seen multiple times. In the case of Las Vegas, it's very much a rooftop situation. In fact, the largest uh, solar installations in the hotel industry are out in Las Vegas and multiple megawatt systems. I mean, if you think about a convention center and the available space on a rooftop for solar, it's immense. And you've, you've got an environment where the sun's shining, you know, almost 100% of the time. I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer. And, and in one case, a hotel company partnered with a utility company where the, the solar installation is actually off property, uh, but they benefit from the electricity from the solar installation and the savings. So you don't necessarily have to have the, the solar installation on your own property. In an urban environment, like a downtown environment, it's much more difficult to benefit from solar because the, the available space is so minimal, but a downtown property can benefit more from solar for water heating than electricity generation. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Plus, you know, you're dealing with shadows and things in urban areas as well. So I'm curious, do you think that the lodging industry does a good job of pointing out their green e efforts and investments to their potential clients, you know, as a, as a positive thing? I mean, something that, hey, we're doing the right thing. It seems to me that a lot of clients going to hotels would care about this or people booking conventions and meetings would care about this or, or do hotels kind of think their clients don't really care? No, I think there have been uh, a number of studies that have shown that meeting planners who are responsible for hundreds of millions of dollars of business to the hotel industry every year do care very much about what the hotel is doing to save energy, reduce waste, et cetera. And they actually require it in their requests for proposal you know, that they submit to the hotel. So on that side, it's become very common for meeting planners to require that. But having said that, I recently saw a study pointing out that hotels are not doing enough to publicize the fact that they're utilizing all these different technologies and innovations and practices, especially on their websites. It's a good benchmark. Go to a hotel's website or a hotel company's website. Look for what story they're telling about their sustainability efforts. And, and this recent study found that hotels are not doing enough or, or not enough hotel companies are talking about what they're doing. Hmm. Well, that's interesting because, yeah, I, I definitely think that increasingly, and, and we see even in our industry, just the normal consumer out there is caring more and more about sustainability and, and the environment and things. So over your years in this industry, especially as you've you know followed and a journalist in this area, green consciousness in 
the lodging industry. Anything come along that's really surprised you? Things that you never really would have thought of on your own or, or just things that have surprised you? Well, I think what's surprised me most about the industry and, and its movement toward 100% sustainability is how sometimes politics actually enter into the equation. I remember when I first started Green Lodging News, I was a, an advocate for you know eliminating smoking in in hotels, and you know the, the president of the uh, hotel association at the time was kind of a little upset that I had you know talked about that because you know a lot of hoteliers at the time still didn't want to take the step to go to 100% non-smoking and and because at the time there were still quite a few people smoking and today you know it's changed significantly i mean almost every hotel is 100% non-smoking except when you go out to Las Vegas and where the casinos still allow it and and it, the first hand second hand and third hand smoke found in, in the casinos is still hurting a lot of people, including the people who work there. And and every now and then I see stories about unions uh, protesting, you know, their work environment. But overall, I would say what's really uh, surprising me, and it, it's something that I come across almost every day, is the uh, technological innovation that's taking place in the industry to enable hoteliers to operate their hotels in a much more green or sustainable environment. And, you know, it has to do with everything that you would touch in a hotel from, you know, what you're involved with, the roofing, you know, all the way down to the foundation, you know, I'm seeing stories about changes in, in cement, you know, cement that absorbs CO2, you know, to reduce CO2 in the air, you know, things like that. Um, it, it, it's just uh, amazing how much innovation there is and, um, you know, getting to the point of uh, zero impact, I see as a very realistic goal in the near future. You know, it's interesting where you talk about some of that research and development that's being done. And I know one of the things that we have worked with a few times over the years has been the building sciences departments at a few universities. And it's, it is always fascinating to see the things that they're working on to help, help with sustainability, help also with air quality and water quality and, and all those types of things. As you have looked at that, have there been any universities or schools that you have seen seem to be making some significant strides in that area in terms of providing feedback to hoteliers and, and other industries? Yeah, there, there are certain uh, colleges and universities that have historically been ahead of others when it comes to teaching about green hotel operations or how to make a hotel more sustainable. Cornell University comes to mind because they have a sustainability roundtable every year, and I've participated in that a number of times. But I think what it all comes down to is who's telling their story the best. And, and I often hear from Purdue University in regard to the technological 
improvements, innovations that, that they're making um, that are applicable to hotels and other industries as well. And again, it comes down to that storytelling, you know, how well is a hotel school telling its story or getting the word out? And it, it's often, you know, the PR person at the property or, or company, you know, is there a PR person in place? Is there a marketing person in place to, to really push the story out there so other people can learn about what that school is doing? Very good. Makes sense. Well, Glenn, thank you so much. This um, this has really been interesting, and I know our listeners are going to enjoy it as well. We're kind of wrapping up here the business end of things, as I call it. It's been a, a real pleasure. Is there anything we haven't covered today that you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, we haven't covered uh, macaroni, and I, and I don't know why we would talk about that, but um, that, 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 <laughs> that's one topic that came to mind as we were wrapping up here. Well, we'll save that for the next episode. How would that work? Sounds good to me. <laughs> well, here in a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to to, to say how folks can get in contact with you. Um, but before we close out, um, I have to ask if you're willing to participate in something we call our rapid fire questions. So these are seven questions. Uh, they may range from serious to silly. All you got to do is give a short answer that comes to mind and our audience needs to understand if he agrees to it. Glenn has no idea what we're about to ask him. So um, are you feeling up to the challenge of rapid fire? I'll give it my best shot. Great. Well, I think Ryan and I may alternate questions. Um, you want to go first, Ryan? Sure. I'd be glad to. All right. Question number one. What is your favorite hobby? Uh, favorite hobby would uh, certainly be watching my son play soccer. Awesome. Oh, very, very cool. I played soccer. Well, and I remember you, Glenn, as a cross-country runner. Do you still run at all? I actually uh, don't run anymore, but it was something I did for, gosh, about 40 years of my life. And I, I kept track of my miles, and I actually ran, I think, around 25,000 miles in my lifetime. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of miles, so of course that's easy to keep track of now with smartwatches and stuff. How did you how did you do that? Did you just log it all in a notebook or something? Yeah, I kept a diary. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That Very takes cool. some commitment. Yeah. Question number two. What is an early good memory from your childhood? So earliest positive childhood memory that comes to mind. Oh, I would have to say it would be uh, spending time with my grandparents during the holiday occasions and, and tasting the great food that my uh, grandmothers would make. Oh, very cool. Very neat. That, that kind of leads into <laughs> it our, does. Next, our, our, our next question very well. Um, and this question always kind of gives me the collie wobbles. But uh, if you had to eat a crayon, what color would you choose? Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, haven't looked at a crayon box in a while, but how about a uh, banana? <laughs> banana. That works. That works. Okay. Question number four. At the end of your days, what would you like to be remembered for? Well, I would have to say, you know, my con contribution to the hotel industry as a journalist, but 
even more importantly, my contribution to my family and the, and the time I spent helping them out. Very neat. Well, that also leads into the next question Ryan's going to ask. So, so I feel a little weird asking this question, and maybe there's a story behind it. That So Todd oh, wrote the no, rocket fire know. questions. But, I don't know. Oh, okay. All right. How did you and your wife meet? Very carefully. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, it was uh, something that's very common today. Yeah, we actually met online. Oh, awesome. Oh. Very cool. My wife and I met that way, too. Online did not exist when I met my wife. So, okay. <laughs> Next question. What is your favorite book or a favorite book? Uh, I mean, I would say that the book that has influenced me the most probably is the Bible. But the, the book that is most favorite to read would have to be a series of books, really. The Lord of the Rings by, uh, oh, wow. by Tolkien. I'm so embarrassed to say I've never read this. Isn't that horrible? And also uh, uh, C.S. Lewis's uh, series, The Chronicles of Narnia. Sure. Yeah, I've read that. Have you ever read the, the screw tape? Uh, what's it called? Screw tape letters? Yes, I have. It's been quite a long time yeah. ago. Yeah. Yeah. We were, uh, my wife and I have a, a small group thing at our church on um Thursday nights, and it's come up the last two weeks. Everyone else has read it, but us, the screw tape letter. So I think we need to get it get it ordered. All right. Last question. Uh, what 80s song will really get you rocking out if you hear it? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> I would say uh, Queen. Yeah. We will rock you. And... Um, see maybe some wham songs as well <laughs> but i mean i to be honest with you i grew up more in the 70s and was more influenced by the 60s music because um, of my older brother uh, yeah very good well glenn this has been a pleasure thank you so much to tell everyone on our challenge words we were all successful ryan you had the word collywobbles which, yeah, that was a fun one. Sorry, I was guilty of giving you that one. Uh, Glenn, very creative. You had the word? Macaroni. Macaroni. And I had the word egg that I was able to work in back when we were talking about Barbie dolls and plastic packaging, which I just wasn't sure how to respond. So that was all I could it was It with. was perfect. I felt like I set that up for you and I you didn't set, even intend to. You set me up perfect. Absolutely. Glenn, again, thank you. For folks who want to get in touch with you and folks who would like to maybe subscribe to your e-newsletter, how do they do that? Well, they can either go to my website, uh, greenlodgingnews.com, and find a place there to subscribe. Or they can simply email me directly at greenlodgingnews at gmail.com. That's fantastic. So greenlodgingnews.com and greenlodgingnews at gmail.com. And that way you don't have to figure out how to spell HASIC in an email address. So that's, that's a positive benefit there, I guess. Well, Glenn, thank you again. This has been good. I've enjoyed it. Same here. Thank you so much, Todd. Well, and thank you to our audience for tuning into this episode of Construction Disruption with Glenn Hasek of Green Lodging News. 
We encourage you, please watch for future episodes of our podcast. We always have great guests on tap. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or YouTube. Um, Until the next time, change the world for someone, make them smile, encourage them. Uh, Two very simple but powerful things you can do to change the world. God bless and take care. This is Isaiah Industries signing off until the next episode of Construction Disruption. 